Hello, my friends, Nigel here, and welcome to Backable, the podcast where we explore the top performance habits in both business and life. 2020 brought with it a shared global experience. We as business people need to ensure we've come out of it the other side stronger and more capable of achieving our goals. In this, our first episode for the year, Tim and Alana share the high-performance habits and principles they've learned over their journey and how they are applying them both professionally and personally to build strong foundations for success for themselves, their teams, and their companies. Hope you enjoy. Well, that was quite a year, wasn't it? Anna, Nigel. (laughs) (laughs) Hoo-wee. Well, 2020. Now, it's funny because we're actually recording this just on the cusp of 2021. So just like 2019, we assume 2020 will just be this brilliant year. But you know what? Stuff happens. See, even my language is better this year. (laughs) But stuff does happen. I think anyone who spent the New Year's Eve of 2019 into 2020 going to bed, smartest group of people. They didn't want any more. for the year to come. (laughs) They they knew deep down. (laughs) Disagree. It was the last chance to actually see people. So (laughs) you really screwed the pooch there. Now, all of us have had an experience last year. Regardless, some of you might, it may have been the best year of your life from your business, might have created new opportunities. It might have given you a new perspective on life. It might have done a lot of things. For others, it might have been a pretty tough year. And frankly, it doesn't really matter. And that's what we're talking about today. Not just talking about it. I think we need to put a line in the sand and talk about when we go through experiences, what do we need to do from the end of that experience to make sure that we perform better, are stronger, or we use it in a way in which we can get the most out of it. So what do we need to do? We've come off the back of this pandemic. We've had a new human experience and now we need to look at our business and think, now what? Now, Lana, we've done this a few times and not just on the back of pandemics. It feels like every 12 months we're going through some sort of crisis that we self-create because (laughs) that's the point of creating change in order to become better. But at the start of this year, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great at the end of the start of this new year. Um I'm ready for what comes next, but I think the biggest mistake we as humans always make is we get to the end of something and then start planning for what comes next, as opposed to when, as you're coming up to the end, you start to plan for what comes next. Because there's always a gap in there between finishing something and deciding what to do next. And so you can lose weeks, if not months, if you're not already planning for 2021 in 2020. I agree. And I think the first thing for me personally is you want to grab the reins again. I use a bit of a horse riding analogy, not that I've ridden too many horses in my life. In fact, I don't actually get on that well with horses, I've decided. From the first time I got onto a horse, it walked into the middle of a dam and just stood there. That was an experience that scarred me from riding horses. I realized the beast owned me. I've seen you on a trail ride and you tried to take the horse off the trail ride. Well, you've got to see what and it's going to do, right? It's no point riding a horse and then sticking to the trail, right? I mean, it's a horse. <laughs> like, you've got to go for it. Uh, What's the, the point? <laughs> Anywho, one of the things you learn about horse riding is this beast can do whatever it wants, right? You're relatively light on it. And if you don't have enough tension in the reins, the horse knows that it's in control. 
And the idea is to work with the horse, not against it. So if you pull the reins too tight, it won't perform. It will start to get nervous. It will start to get anxious. It's a little bit the same as when you own a business or when you're running a business. If you let the reins out too much, you get sloppy. You start not doing the things you need to do. If you pull them too tight, your company won't innovate, won't try things. It starts to get nervous about doing things. So for me, at the back of this year, we have to start thinking about is where have I lost the reins? And it could be subconsciously, by the way, where have you mentally let go of reins? Oh, this year's a write-off. Oh, next year's going to be a write-off. Or have you tightened up so much that you're not going to allow for the innovation, the change, the trust in order to get back on your feet? And the irony, I guess, for anyone here who horse rides is the reins aren't actually how you move the horse. That's a bit of direction, but all the speed and all the pressure of the horse moving forward, it actually comes from legs, from your feet, and from gentle direction with the hand itself, but it's never actually the reins. That means you're not riding properly. And it's a good analogy in business because if you're the leader, you don't really want to be the one directing the horse. You want your managers or your team to be doing that. You want to be that silent person in the background who is actually giving the direction that allows the reins to be useful. I see it a bit differently. I think there has to be enough strength at the top. So if you've got a great management team, they still need to feel that there's enough strength and pressure from the top, that the business has got direction. And I think that's what you are talking about. One of the things we have to look at is where's the direction of our company right now? What are we actually doing? And not whether you know it. Do your people know it? Does the messaging that you have in your business, the way you're communicating with people, the story you're telling to people, is that clear? Have you actually calibrated where your business is after the year we've had? Because it's important, isn't it, Lana? I mean, we've over years got this wrong, which is we know where we're heading, but we haven't communicated that very well. And this was early on. And you realize that's the key to it. People don't understand where you're going. You're breaking every rule. You're not going to get there. You want buy-in from the team because it means that they're the right team because they've bought in. And if you don't give them something to buy into, they're just going day by day. They've got no motivation or inspiration. And they're probably the wrong people if they're happy to work in those conditions. Now, remember, there's a spot for everyone in a business, but we don't want average people in our businesses. You're listening to Backable, right? We're looking for top performance, which means you want people who want to buy into what we're trying to do. doesn't mean you need to be changing the entire world, but you want people engaged in what the company's about and what they're trying to do. It doesn't matter what role they're playing within the organization. And I know a mistake that you and I made early on was that we we offered the full picture to everyone and anyone. From my point of view, I think what would have worked better was that we gave the long-term goal, here's what we're building, but here's shorter term, what we're here to achieve. Because not everyone works long-term, not everyone works short-term. And so by giving people the option to hang on to something that worked for them, that motivated them. It made us better leaders because we could communicate to them in their objectives or how their thought process was. Yep. And so as a business owner, it's not just about how you think or how you communicate. You need to have your objectives for the year, but also for the quarter. I wouldn't probably go week by week, but you have to be able to communicate these to the team and to yourself. Otherwise, that's when 2021 will be lost. There's a few things in that because a lot of 
I guess, the business books that are out there, a lot of the social media entrepreneur stars, they talk about things that many SME owners take on board. But what you're forgetting is if you don't have 50 people working for you, some of those things are for 50 people companies, 100 people companies. What you have to work out is what is the message and what is the communication of your vision that's needed where you're at currently in your business life? Because a lot of people read the books, but they're actually built for corporate established companies when you've got a whole lot of people that are in there and require that. When you're a small company, maybe under 10 people, you've got a different requirement. You've got direct contact with most people in the whole organization. So some of the messaging that particularly SMEs take on and try and adapt, it's not for your company right now. The principle is, absolutely the principle is, but you have to work out how to dumb things down for where you're at. And it doesn't mean you're dumber. What it means is this message is right now because we've got big visions in our company. And what we found is when we share too much, people can become disengaged because they're not sure then where they fit or what they need to do or whether even what they do is important because if there's a huge vision and they're doing this one part, even though it's critical at the time, it almost diminishes their role right now. So that's one of the keys is what is your, as Lana said, what is your 12-month goal from this point? What does success look like and what is the smile on your face goal? Because a lot of SMEs set goals, they hit them and go, oh, but it wasn't that good. You've got to find a bit where you're going to be happy, first of all. What is your happy goal this year that's not stupid? So if you've been doing this for 10 years and your goal is to grow by 10,000% this year and you've never grown by more than 5% a year, well, you're delusional. Unless you've got something magical that you've just found, but you've got to actually set the goal to go, this would be a great effort by our company right now with the resources, with the energy, with the current economic environment. Let's be practical. It doesn't mean you don't have stretch goals and try and get to that 10,000% increase, but you need to start becoming a more mature leader. You need to start going, this is what we want to achieve. This is how we're going to do it. And as we say, Lana, work back into your quarterly priorities. We only work in quarterly priorities, which is we don't care about the big goal. If you've missed the quarter, there's the problem. We don't need to focus on anything else. We know where we're going, but this is our next 12 weeks, what must be achieved. And why it is so important to start with your 12 months and work back into quarters is a lot of the time you have to go with your gut. You have got a plan of what you're going to achieve and things change along the way. And it is data from the outside, but also your intuition and gut instinct tells you, is this the right direction or not? If you don't have that 12-month goal, you don't know what you're aiming for. So all this data and instinct is actually irrelevant. But if you go for your quarter without that long-term goal, every single quarter, you're just repeating something for no reason because you haven't got that flag that you're aiming for. So that's why it is so important to have both short-term and long-term because it gives you the direction that even if it changes, you're in the right path. Absolutely correct. And we've been using that framework for our companies for a long time now and you get better and better at them. So the more you get used to working in sort of 12-week periods, and that doesn't mean you can accomplish everything in 12 weeks, by the way. Some projects will span two, three, four, eight quarters depending on what you're after. But There are clear objectives in which need to be hit in that period. And the key is if you look around your business, have a look at everyone working for you 
And first of all, ask yourself, do I know what success looks like for the company this quarter? So I got to be clear on that. This is a really important foundation. The second part would be look around at everyone in your business and ask, do they know what they need to achieve this quarter? And if they don't know, who's that sitting with? Is it you because you haven't set the target for that role? Or is it them because they refuse to take ownership of that position? Whatever it is. And this is the key when we've come through such a difficult period. It's not waiting to get back to normal. Now is the new normal and it requires a different type of focus. Even if the economy recovers, even if COVID is a thing of the past, it's irrelevant. You need to behave as though it's not going to change. You need to behave as though everyone needs to step up. This is about grabbing the reins again and going, all right, this is the situation. Here is the path coming up. Now, how do I need to behave as a leader and as my company? A really good trick that I know, Tim, you and I like to use as we go through this period is we get to the end of the year and to make sure that we are better leaders and, I guess, humans is we actually plan out our breaks for the next 12 months. And so we're able to integrate that personal, I'll say downtime, even though it might not be huge downtime, in with achievement of each quarter. And it sounds really simple, but it's a trick that you and I started about five years ago. We've spoken about it for about 10 years, but properly did it about five years. And it took five years to um, execute. (laughs) Um, And it was a really great thing for us because it gave us the brain space to be able to execute the plan. So when we didn't take a break, quarters became really long and what came next became quite heavy or dense. But even if it was a a weekend away, it was something to almost break that circuit and allow us to look at the next quarter really clearly. And it is something that I believe smaller business owners think they don't need and it's a bit of a badge of honour. But to take a break is actually better for the team because they get to see you in a new light when you come back because you do feel refreshed and recharged and it gives you a bit more, what's the word? It gives you a bit more clarity as to why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, we're talking about high-performance habits and as the owner of a business, we see it a lot, which is people that look haggard, people who are exhausted, people who are almost proud that they haven't taken a break for the last few years because they've been, inverted commas, too busy. And this is very prevalent in smaller businesses because most of them aren't well planned. So anytime that anyone else takes a break in their business, they need to lift their workload because they're at a point where they don't have the resources, they're poorly managed, they've never done it any other way. They've got foundation learning from, oh, you can't take a break as a business owner because all the other business owners they know never take breaks. So You're hanging around the same type of people with the same type of problems. But you have to look at yourself as a professional athlete. There's a reason that professional athletes have off-seasons. There's a reason that race horses get put out to pasture, out to spell. I don't know why we're talking about horses so much today, (laughs) but it must be something. I'm going to have to go ride a horse or something. But in every fundamental high-performance environment, 
there is work and rest. SMEs become zombies. It's the constant low performance without breaks. So you're right, Lana, we, we noticed that we were better after a break, but it was what does a break actually mean? Because we started trying to trick ourselves. We'll start with a weekend where we don't do work. Then we'll start with an extra cheeky long weekend here and there and take an extra day off. But we were still on our phones and laptops, still trying to do the work. Then we said, why don't we try and take a full week off? Actually take a holiday, see what would happen. So it built up over five years to then realize we work best that every 12 weeks, see we like that magical number, that we take an extended five to seven day break because we come back refreshed, we're clear in mind, it's generally not as disruptive as any times in the world and it works for us right now. And this is something you have to build into your own life because we, we force our employees to take holidays, or we should, by the way. But it's true, isn't it, Lana? Without that, you feel like you're still functioning, but you've forgotten what being on means. And we come back to talking about foundations. As good as you think you are, the human body and mind is not capable of going full throttle for 12 months. It just can't do it. And as special as we think we are, just have a look back at what happens after the summer break, how refreshed you feel, and forget about how quickly that goes or how quickly you get back into the race of it all. The difference for any individual is proven through science to be a better performer once you've had a rest. And I know that it's a topic, Tim, that you like to talk about is fitness and health. What a rest day actually does to allow your body to get better is the same as the mind. Absolutely. I remember when I was training to try and be a so-called fighter. And for my first fight, I had to have three days off before the fight. Like, what? Why? I want to train as hard as I can and be ready. And they said, no, no, we have to. We've been training so hard for 12 weeks leading up to the fight. We need to replenish. And it didn't mean we did nothing because you still have to keep moving and just make sure the body doesn't basically go into a seizure, which means all the muscles have decided to take a full rest. But it was so light compared to the training you were doing that it felt like nothing. And this is very important in your business life is to manage yourself from an energy point of view. If you don't think you need a rest, you're the one who needs a rest. It's just the way it works. Don't get me wrong. We spent years taking no rests and our rests were basically moving the office to a place where there was a beach. And so we could hear and see the beach, but we were still on our laptops. When we'd go overseas, we'd be doing work in the different time zones because then when everyone else fell asleep in our home country of that company, we could then go out and have our holiday because we knew our country was asleep while we were awake. So we always try and get to Europe or something when we were in Australia because it was easy to manage. Remember, Lana? oh, that's a good time zone for me. I can work at night when everyone needs me. And then when everyone falls asleep, I can have my day. So essentially that meant Lana had to work 24-7. Me, I don't quite have that same discipline. So I was asleep, but you get the point, right? And I'm getting feedback from people listening to this podcast saying, um, you guys just get it. I like this podcast because you get anyone listening, we've made all the mistakes. If you're sitting there thinking... Not all of them, trust me. We're coming into some doozies. <laughs> More to follow. Um, yeah. If you're thinking, you just don't get me, my business needs me. We've been there and it is one of the most, I guess, saddest realities is that your business goes on without you. Your business needs you because at the moment it is not where it needs to be 
And the reason it needs you is because it's worth less. Because if the business needs you, it means that you're a problem. It's not a real business. You're self-employed with some support around you. This is a hard pill to swallow, isn't it? A lot of the timeliner is the more that we know we're needed in a company, the lower the value of that company. Nothing like a bunch of investors telling you this, by the way. So this is a kind voice telling you the fact. Try sitting around with five people informing you that your business is worth less because of its reliance on you. Think about it for everyone else out there. If you're someone who thinks you're the one out of a billion that, yep, your business is special and it needs you and that's the only way, would you buy any business that was so reliant on one person? What if that person disappeared? What have you bought? It's a good reality because it initially feels a bit upsetting because a lot of us that got into this are proud that we're the top performer. We work really hard and we've developed a personality around being a hardworking business owner. And it doesn't mean the work becomes less, but we have to change the reliance of the business on you because that's the only way to find other avenues to grow because we need your superpowers to be doing that. This is a big one. It's another podcast and I think we've spoken about it at length. But this is about redefining your role in the next 12 months, redefining what does your work life look like in 12 months time from now on the back of the year we've had. So as a leader, what do you do? When are your breaks? Are they real breaks? How are you going to take them? How are you going to start putting in the things that need to be put into your business so you can take them without stressing? How do you go on a holiday, come back, and you don't have 10,000 emails? So where can you start putting in the things that are going to make sure your business doesn't change, if not get better while you're away? Because at some time, you're going to have to do this. You may as well do it now. And just another point while we're talking planning, very important, lots of hand actions going on here. If you're planning to have a big year or a big quarter in sales and in growth, you also have to have a look at the infrastructure around you. Now is the time to actually start planning headcount, employment rates, budgeting to make sure that you are going to be successful. You're listening to Backable. You've got this. You're going to grow. What happens if you outgrow your current capacity? Are you going to say no to this work? Are you going to lump more work on employees than they can handle? And so this is actually the perfect time that when you're growing your business and planning for it, make sure that personnel and make sure that, you know, if it's product manufacturing lines, everything can grow with you. And it doesn't mean you have to execute it now, but things like getting position descriptions done now so that when you hit your capacity, you can start to move forward quickly. I agree somewhat to getting ready for or having your mind in a position where you feel you're going to grow and getting ready for it. I think where the danger of that sometimes is, is people try and get ready for some, a problem they haven't created yet. So I've been thinking about this a lot, which is I think when you're a smaller business owner, you get really good at fixing problems from a reactionary point of view. And the only difference that occurs is once you've gone through the problems a few times and been able to solve it, experience allows you to get ahead of the problems you can see up the road. So the problems don't change. You just become aware of them before they become a problem so you get ahead. The great challenge is though, you're not allowed to fix problems in your business before they've got there if that's not the highest priority right now. And I agree with Lana, which is get ready for the growth and expect it and be positive about it. Equally though, that if you want to grow and you're not out there 
pounding the pavement, whatever that form takes in your business and you're writing position descriptions without doing the things that's actually the biggest problem, which is you're not growing. I'm going to wait for growth. So in the meantime, I'm going to write position descriptions for when we grow. Well, that's delusion. And what we need to do is actually get in front of it and go, what is my biggest problem right now in my business? And you've got to be brutal with it. What is the thing not working in your business right now to get you to where you want to go? If the answer is this, great. So what are you doing to fix that? And everything else is irrelevant. And we've had a couple of really great mentors, Lana, recently. And not even recently, I'm talking recently, like the past decade. But they're brutal and their mindset is brutal. So that's a great idea. Can you do it now? No. So why are we thinking about it? Oh, this area is not working, but it could. Has it? No. How long are you going to give it before you cut it off? People aren't brutal enough with things that aren't working and they accept it in their lives. And there is a distinct moment in every business life where you have enough or have had enough of things not working and you have to make a change that can seem brutal. And it's not easy for a lot of people because most people won't even get there, right? They'd prefer not to have confrontation with whatever it is and they hide behind the fact that we'll just give it a few more months. We'll just give it six more months. We'll just give it a year. And then suddenly you look back and you've been five years and nothing's changed. And it's important, isn't it? Because it's quite difficult, Lana, to calibrate where something might feel too brutal, but it needs to happen. Well, this is the delineation between business and personal. If it's for the business, it's not actually brutal. It might seem from a personal level brutal, but as a leader, as a CEO, as a manager, your job is to make your business and or your department perform. And this is why the planning that we're talking about is so important. You need to know if it's working or not. So quarterly or year or five year, you have to make decisions along the way that get you to the goal. That's it. I should clarify, you're exactly right. It's not brutal. I'm using a word because it will feel brutal because if it wasn't, you would have made the change already. The brutality is in doing something that feels tough because you need a change because it's obvious. You know, we walk into a lot of businesses when we consult and it's so obvious the changes that need to happen. But for a number of reasons, people can't make it. We've gone through an experience together. We're at the start of a new calendar year. You've got to look around at your own company and say, what's working? What's sort of working that can be fixed? What's sort of not working that needs a change? And how quickly can I make those changes? You don't have the right as a small business when you're under-resourced, you don't have a lot of time, you're trying to maximize everything you do to allow things to bleed for too long. It kills you at the end, doesn't it? It's just too much in too many areas unless you, you confront them and make change. And I'd say that most of the time, if not all of the time, you already know the answer. You just don't want to do it. And I know that we spoke about going into the new year and making sure that we were all refreshed and we had everything ahead of us. You already know the answers. You know the people who aren't performing. You know the product that's not performing. You know what you have to add in. The marketing plan that's not the sales funnel, what is everything, right? You, you know everything there. All we're talking about this now is execution. Maybe you want to be seen as the good guy who's helping everyone. But if nothing else in 2021, you put your role in the business first, which is my mandate is to get the business to the goal. You suddenly start executing quite quickly because you have no other choice. 
And I think that that is often a hard thing for small business owners. When you know the answer, you just don't want to do it because of everything that comes with it. I couldn't agree more. And I think this is a very important time for a lot of businesses because of obviously the year we've all had that you actually have to perform at a different level and you have to behave with specific intent, which is, can I afford to be doing this half-assed? Can I afford to be just giving it another six months? When will you start to lead your company in the way in which it needs to be led? I like to keep it pretty simple, which is, if this was the same for the next five years, would I be happy? And if the answer is, I'd be semi-happy, okay, well, then that might be something that be kept. If I'm, no, this needs to change, then I want to address it immediately because you should look at that in your own personal life too. What relationships, if they don't change, we'd be happy in five years? How does your body look right now? Would you be happy with that in five years? The way that you eat, the way that you communicate, whatever it is, this is the point. It's not business and life. It's everything. What isn't working right now and how are you addressing it? And if the answer is, I'm not, I'm going to wait till I've done this, this, and this, I go, well, what are you doing? But that, that might be your choice as well. Again, for me personally. <laughs> low performance, <I> <laughs> Lana. Just low performance. Get and over yourself. This is where you and I differ. I know for a fact if that's your decision, that is your decision. Well, that means you're happy with it. Well, oh, here, well we go. here we go. Finally, conflict <laughs> makes for a better podcast. Took us a year. Um, <laughs> yeah, if that's your decision, that's your decision. But do not come to me with complaint because you have made that decision. If you're not happy, find a way to change it or take different action. But if you're not happy and you decide not to change it or take action, and I mean decide, not because of other circumstances, you have to be so confident in the fact that you can control that. And this to me is that cause and effect thing that I love so dearly. Whatever decision you make affects the outcome. Stop making decisions and blaming other people for the outcome because you didn't want to take the action or decision that was hard. We're looking at 2021 as I've challenged our private clients to make this a year that is totally selfish. And the year is, I want you to look at all the pillars in your life that are important. You are going to perform as best you can in each of them. Health, personal wealth, leadership of your business, courage, all these different pillars. And see what happens in 12 months' time if you decided this year's not for me, this year's for me to see what happens when I perform well in the things that are important to me. Where would I be in one year's time? Then you can go back to everything you've been doing. But the ridiculous of that is people have had a year of not being able to do anything and then trying to crawl back to things that weren't working anyway. You just can't do that. We're not in that environment anymore. And this is where you have to step up. You have to find a way to get a new gear. If you're tired, great. What are all the things that affect your tiredness? Stress levels, sleep, food, exercise, plan, review, all the things that add to your tiredness because a lot of it's not physical, right? A lot of it is mental tiredness that drains us constantly. So thinking about all these things, what can you actually do? How do I set a foundation that will completely change the trajectory of the next 100 years of your life. So I think setting new foundations for this year is probably the thing you want to think about most. How or what needs to be different? How and what needs to be maintained? And 
where could you find an edge? And if we were to put a summary across the whole lot of it, where are you hiding behind busy work? What is busy work? I think everyone knows what busy work is. You're doing a lot of nothing that has an outcome. It doesn't mean you some work you need to do because it sets a foundation or maintains something very important. But what are the things that are really not going to have much of an effect, but you seem to have to get to them, or you seem to take 10 times as long to do them? I challenge all my clients that aren't in reactionary positions that you've got twice a day to check your emails for half an hour. Let's see how you perform. And most of them were spending one, two hours a day, and they've got it down to 45 minutes a day. Bang, what a time saving over a year. Yet another really sad realization, my emails don't change the world. That was a this year realization. Responding in 20 minutes, doesn't matter. No, in fact, it's a good indicator for those who know that people who respond really quickly that aren't in reactionary positions, they don't have too much going on. Because the fact that you can be distracted by your emails every minute shows that you are a busy work person. And there's a lot of SME owners that sit there and go, oh, no one's as good as customer service as me because I get back to people so quickly. And I go, yep, that would be the first indicator of a red flag about you not knowing how to set priorities. And when you come from a customer service or a customer facing role, which is where I've come from for nine years, it's really hard habit to break. Very. Even when you're so busy, you still find the time to do it. And again, it's this idea of I'm so important and I'm so needed. And then you respond twice a day or three times a day. And the result is the same. No one's less happy and the world keeps turning. And this is where, when we talk about foundations, why it is so important to have a realistic point of view, not an almost dream point of view of how special you are. Because when you pull that back and say, well, what would I expect from someone in the same role as me? Then you realize what you're not actually doing. And if you set your foundations from that level, so the ideal, not what you're actually doing, it just makes life easier. Yeah, I guess this is the thing that we fell into too, Lana, which was you've got a problem if you're like everyone else. And it's a challenge because we hang around with a type of person that's probably very similar to you. We've all heard the saying, birds of a feather flock together and things like that. But there is some truth in that, which is a lot of people hang around people that are similar to them in terms of economic result, where they are in their journey, because it's easy, right? It's very easy to connect to people who are going through that similar journey. And we, particularly Lana, when we were running our businesses, we were potentially our own worst enemies because that's how hard Lana works. That's how hard I work. That almost set a standard, which was this is how we operate. And we still work in a very similar way in terms of ours and all that, maybe not productivity. I think Lana's gone ahead in that foundation in terms of operational productivity. But this is something to consider for this year is If you feel like you belong in the networks that you are, but that's not who you want to be, you've got a bit of a problem. Nothing extraordinary happens in the majority. There's nothing wrong with the majority, but if you're in the majority of people that have got the same results that you don't want, you know you have to make a change. And so how do you change a few of the things in your life that aren't normal? And, you know, we've spoken about it before. We've got unreasonable things. Like we're up at 5.30 in the morning because we find that's a habit that gets us to execute better. No one likes to get up at that hour until you do it enough and then you find you love it because there are so many other things that happen. We love to exercise every day. People who 
we talk to think that we're mad. And maybe we are, but you've got to find what works for you and it's not going to fit with what is considered normal. And you have to do some not normal things to break some old habits that just aren't giving you the results you want. And I just think, Lana, it's really important, isn't it, to understand that it's not going to be like everyone else. And that's awesome. It should feel kind of nice to be different. And the main learnings that I know we've had and we've seen is that just because you're not like everyone else doesn't mean you should get an ego and doesn't mean you think you're above everyone else. It's all about what you're doing. And And what works for you. And what works for you. And we've seen people who think they're above everyone else and think they're the minority of the world out there when in actual fact they're in the majority but their mindset is that they're so special. And they're the ones that you have to watch. But you also want to make sure that you don't go down that route. Tim and I, we like to get up at 5.30 and go to the gym, be on this podcast. It's not something we talk about a lot because it's our decision. So why should anyone else have to care about it or know about it? Whereas when people first start to find their way, they can talk about it too much and they can start to almost alienate the majority. But you still need those people. You still want to. Yeah, it's not against people who are living their own life. But most people, when they find something that works for them, are more worried that it's not sort of normal, so they stop doing it or find a way to fit in with everything else. What you're looking for is the thing that works for you and doing more of that. And we spoke about this on the last podcast, which is forget what's going on around you and do what makes you happy. Yeah. In the yoga term, focus on your own mat. If you're in the majority, that's fine. For me, not against them. Just make sure that you're not going too far down one way and telling the majority that they're wrong. You shouldn't be caring about them. You should be focusing on yourself and just enjoying the fact that you're a little bit weird. Yeah, embrace your inner weirdo. It's going to be a mantra you're going to hear a lot this year. Just have a look around your own life, business let's call it, because there are some majorities that are important, but have a look around where is a majority that you're inspired by what that majority achieves. If you can find one, well done. But for me, it's all the little weirdos that step out, do something a bit different, try different things and back themselves. They're at peace with how they are in life and what works for them. They're the ones that become exceptional because they trust their gut. They know what works for them and they want to do more of it. They don't worry about what others think. They worry about the results and how they feel, which is a very, very powerful and very, frankly, backable skill. So, Lana. Nigel, who's been sitting there and making it all uh, (laughs) run smoothly. Good topic, interesting year, and a very exciting one coming up for everyone because regardless of whether you've had a tough year, regardless of whether you've had an introspective year, regardless of whether you've just excited to get to the next one, be brutal. Think about what you want. Think about the things that work. Do more of those. Find the things that don't work. See if you can get rid of those and start to grab the reins, work yourself into a routine, and start charging towards your goals. Have an excellent start of the new year, and we'll um, do it all again next year. See ya. See what I did there? Well, that's the show for this week. Thanks for listening. And of course, if you head on over to backable.ai, you can access all the downloadables we've put together. Now, if you want to stay up to date with all things Backable and Philodomo, then make sure to join our Facebook group and follow us on one or all of the platforms you can find in the show description below.
As always, if you have enjoyed this week's podcast, please don't forget to like, subscribe and leave a review. That's all from us for now. Have a great week and we look forward to speaking with you next week. Bye.